Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Lucas in Union says he'd like to congratulate on Ole Miss and Mississippi State on their respective series wins this past weekend. He says Ole Miss getting two of three from LSU and Mississippi State sweeping Arkansas was exactly how he thought the weekend would go. <laughs> All right, Lucas. Thanks for that, my friend. Borky, how was your weekend? Uh, weekend was good. Um, you know, first real weekend without sports was kind of odd. You know, just kind of like a hole missing, right? I mean, I, I occupied my time. I uh, acknowledged my wife, uh, so that was fun. And played with my four-month-old. Gosh, she's five months old in two days. My five-month-old son and did yard work and cooked, and I still missed sports. Yeah. Yeah, there was uh, there was none of that. Hey, Dad, you made it through the weekend, okay? I rolled my ankle yesterday. But other than that, I'm fine. How'd you do that? Just walking, and I uh, was walking out the door, and the welcome mat slipped out from underneath my foot and took me. Did with you go it. down? No, I didn't go down, but uh, I, my neighbors probably heard a really loud f bomb that they weren't expecting. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, are you limping today? Uh, it's not a noticeable limp. No. It just not, hurts not a noticeable limp. No. Um, I dropped my phone in the lake this weekend. Ooh. Uh, tip, tip of the cap to the iPhone 10 from Seaspire. I guess I missed the memo where these are now waterproof. My well, girlfriend's friend works for Apple, and she told us that a while back. These things are basically waterproof at this point, in all seriousness. It spent, so uh, we went, my, my daughter has a friend whose family has a, a farm about an hour from Oxford, and so we went Friday night after the show and spent the night and just kind of spent the day outside on Saturday. We were, did some fishing and did some shooting and, you know, just kind of played around on four-wheelers and whatnot, and uh, Jane and the and, and Obi and Francis came later on Saturday afternoon, and Obi was like right before supper, right before the burgers came off the grill. He wanted to go fish again, so I walked down with him, and I was gonna, I was gonna video him casting, and you know, kind of reeling one in just to have. And I fumbled it, and it bounced once on the dock, and then right underneath the dock. And I immediately, like, there was, I, I did not yell what you did, hey dad. I went shoot. That's exactly what I said. I was proud of that reaction. And I stripped down to nothing but my skivvies and left my shirt on and went in the water, and, oh, it was cold. Oh, I was so cold. It was one of those deals where you had to take, like, you know, the first 30 seconds just to, like, regain normal breathing before you could. <laughs> and I kind of started feeling along the bottom of the lake with my feet, and I finally felt it. 
and I wasn't going under. I was that phone would still be on the bottom of the lake if I'd had to go under to get it. But I kind of slid my feet together and was able to get it between my toes and then pick it up and reach down <laughs> and pull it out with my hand. I pull it out and it's glowing. Like the screen's still there. I said, whoa, it's, it's probably spent two and a half minutes on the bottom of the lake. And, uh, speaker on, uh, on it, like if you held it up to your ear and tried to talk on it that way on Saturday night wasn't great, but seems to uh, be functioning just fine. So yay for Apple, yay for the iPhones. Uh, otherwise, that was about the most adventure for the weekend. Rippy, you drop your phone this weekend? <laughs> nope. All good. Played some golf. Uh, watched UFC. It's nice. You're really not going to tell what you did? I, I just told you what I did. So, Borky, was he lying to us beforehand or is he lying now? I, I dropped my phone in the urinal. I'm basically dead. <laughs> there. There you have it. Rippy's got the Rona. That's or the least probably of my something worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that may be the least of your worries. Yeah, no kidding. So, what'd you do to clean your phone up? Uh, like a half a roll of disinfectant wipes, and that was pretty much a night killer. You shut it down at that point. Yeah, I called an Uber and I was like, "Hey, like, if I die on the way back, it's not your fault, pal. I dropped my phone." <laughs> um, obviously. <laughs> hey, Dad, that's that's your best reaction. Just, just. Just come on. All this talk about social distancing and everything else, try to keep everything clean. Nope, Rippy's using his P phone now. No problem. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, for what it's worth, I think Rippy and I are working in the same studio together for the last time. I could have told you those things are waterproof, by the way. Well, I'm glad to know it. Yeah. Not even based on your experiences of the weekend, huh? Not even when they're pressure washed, yeah. You tried to pressure wash? No, just... Yours dropped into like a lake. Yeah. Mine was more like a stream. I get <laughs> so it. So the water was flowing? Like, yeah. Wait, okay, so what style of urinal was this? Was this like one of those that's mounted to the wall or was it a trough? Uh, wall. So it was a single. It wasn't like a multi person. Yeah. Because I think all the, the way down to the person floor urinals, one or the. Drop coincided with a flush. So, like. <laughs> oh, did, did you grab a paper towel to reach in yeah, and get it, or did you just go straight in, in bare hand and grab it? I went paper towels. <laughs> Please, God, tell me yes, that, that you did yeah. that. <laughs> I I think given the social distancing restrictions that are in play now, any public use of the trough-style urinal is out. You can only do that if you're the only person in the restroom. Yeah. I mean, if it's if it's six feet long, you can get one either end of it. Yeah, I still don't think that's worth the risk. You're probably right. C Spire text line, UFC was eerie with no audience this weekend. Did anybody watch it? I did. I watched all of it. It was strange, I will admit. I don't know anything about UFC. I was just looking to be entertained with some violence, and like they would announce everyone, and then like all you would hear was the two corners clapping. Mm. It was strange. Did the microphones pick up more than normally they do? Uh, I guess now that second... Think about it, yeah, maybe a little bit, but not not a ton. I mean, mm. they didn't pick up any more. I think they have those dudes, like, mics. Like, you probably pick up most of it even with the crowd. That's probably about as on. Yeah. So. Jason says, iPhone is flash flood proof. Mike in Grand Bay says, Rippy's phone now has P-Rona 20. That was, is that a dad joke? 
Does that does that, does that qualify for dad joke or oh, no? Yeah, I, I don't think so. No. Yeah, no, because like you're not gonna tell Junior, who's like nine years old, about Pirona twenty, are you? Uh, maybe depending on the language. I don't know. You may have just told Junior, who's nine years old, about it. Yeah, it's very true. Well, yeah, you said it good. first because you read it off the text line. Yes, yes, that is true. That is uh, that is true. So there were no live sports, but that doesn't mean Borky that we went without sports news this weekend because the NFL did uh, open up the uh, the trading window, and good grief, have things gone crazy? Yeah, it's been a nice distraction. It started really yesterday morning when the Players Association barely—I mean, they needed fifty plus one, and they got fifty-one point four percent of the vote. Uh, to pass the new CBA, which that, that sounds boring, and it is, but the important part is we're getting 17 games as early as this year. Uh, no, we're getting 17 games as well, early as next maybe. year. And, well, yeah, good point. Uh, as early as 2021, and we are getting additional playoff teams, two of them this season. And so that's the important thing, is expanded playoffs and then starting in likely 2021 with an additional bye week, by the way. Uh, we will get 17 regular season games. So that means 19 weeks of NFL football. They also cut back on marijuana testing. I thought that was interesting in the CBA. NFL did? Ricky Williams yeah. was really mad about that. They did. Um, and the justification is, I mean, we've got teams in states where it's legal, and we're going to tell you you can't do it. That doesn't really add up. So. I saw that the NBA backed off on uh, their drug testing policies while players were away from teams as well. It's Makes almost sense. like they anticipate what they're going to be doing while they're away from the teams. Self-quarantine. Dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot going on. It was fascinating to me that all of a sudden this crazy market that we thought was out there for Tom Brady is apparently not out there for Tom Brady. Well, there's one uh, that still wants him. So San Francisco reportedly was his first choice, and that uh, Brady for Jimmy G swap, basically, uh, that was real. Like, that was something that the two teams discussed with each other, according to multiple reports. That was a, an avenue that they went down, uh, but San Francisco decided no thanks. Then Tennessee decided that Tannehill was their quarterback of the future, but right now... The reporting is that Tampa has made it, quote, loud and clear that they want Tom Brady to be their quarterback next season. So that's it, really, is um, New England, Tampa. I mean, Chicago is exploring a lot of weird options that don't make any sense, but it sounds like does he's New down England to two. Does New England want him? Bill Belichick does not. Robert Kraft hmm. probably has something else in mind. Wow. So we will uh, we'll walk through some of the moves in the NFL coming up in uh, in a little while. When we come back, we will go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll talk with Scott Barry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, about what last week was like with his team and uh, kind of where they go from here. That's when we continue on Sports Talk Mississippi. Comes from some other... Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Favorites.com. Farm Bureau reminds you that you can uh, interact with their agents over the phone and a lot more. 
All right, uh, so you don't have to uh, necessarily be face-to-face. You can practice social distancing and follow all the guidelines and still get great service from your local Mississippi Farm Bureau agent. Scott Barry joins us right now, head baseball coach at Southern Mississippi, who now all of a sudden has got a whole bunch of time on his hands. Scott, man, a whole lot has changed since we talked just a week ago. Hadn't it? I tell you what, the turn of events, it, it moved pretty quickly there. And uh, at one time, I said a 24-hour period, then it went to a 48-hour period. So, yeah, it's uh, kind of amazing how, how it's all transpired. And I won't ask the dumb question of, you know, have you ever experienced anything like this before? Because I don't think any of us have experienced anything close to this before. I, I am curious, though, your perspective as the, the leader of that baseball team, uh, where not only are you you kind of looking out for your program, but you're really looking out for those kids individually. Well, you're right, uh, and I'll tell you. And what, maybe I should say young men as opposed to kids, but I think you knew what I meant. Well, you know, um, I chose on Friday when we had our last team meeting before we let them go home for uh, for spring break that we were going to try to uh, uh, move this in a little different direction and not think about ourselves and not think about baseball and, and really. Uh, pinch ourselves and, and understand that there's there's people out there with a lot worse problems than we have right now. I know we're all very frustrated. We're disappointed because uh, baseball is a big thing in, in the state of Mississippi and across all of the United States. You know, college baseball is a growing sport. I mean, it is rapidly uh, moving forward in, in the level of play, the, the venues that are being built, and just all the investments in it. So to watch it come to a complete halt, uh, obviously has been a real shock to everybody. But, you know, what we talked about on Friday, honestly, was uh, to uh, to understand that, uh, you know, this is part of life. You know, moving forward, we're going to encounter things in life that are that are disappointing and frustrating. But, you know, think about people who are, are terminally ill that would do anything to be a college baseball player to have their, their season cut short or come to a standstill at this time. So, you know, just trying to trying to bring a little light to this thing that this this is much bigger than baseball, and obviously the the decisions that were made all across our country and are continuing to be made are in the yeah. best interest of us. I was really critical on Thursday, I guess it was, when the announcement came out from the NCAA. Uh, I, I lose track of time. It was either Thursday or Friday morning. I think it was Thursday. Uh, that they were shutting down all the winter and spring sports championships. And we were all kind of holding out hope that maybe the individual conferences would act on their own. I, I don't know if they just got lucky or if the folks at the NCAA were privy to different information that we have. It, it felt like it was kind of crazy to make a, a decision in mid-March on an event that wouldn't happen, college baseball specifically, until mid-June. But I guess we would have gotten there eventually, right? I mean, as as the news has continued to trickle out and more and more things are not only postponed but canceled, it was inevitable, I think. Well, I think, you know, of course, we can all now, hindsight's twenty twenty. we can look back and say probably the NCAA was privileged because of March Madness, because of such the big crowds and everything that goes into that, that, hey, we've got a monster on our hand, a potential monster, uh, and this thing's going to last a while. Obviously, they've got... A lot more information uh, than you and I get on a daily basis. Uh, we just we just see the uh, the uh, repercussions of what of what they want to put in. Uh, so you know, I think that's why the NCAA was really you know given a heads up because of March Madness. And then I think at that time, 
when the NBA, uh, when that uh, player tested positive and they walked yeah. off the court, then it became a really, really big issue. So, you know, I, I just have to trust that what we're doing is in the best interest of, of, of all of us and uh, a whole country, you know, because I think that's what we're trying not to do is paralyze this country for a long time. And the quicker we can get ahead of this thing and, and stop it, then the better off we're going to be. Scott Berry the head baseball coach at Southern Miss. He's joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line as he has each week through the season. Uh, so far this year, did it all last year. We were looking for uh, forward to a whole bunch more of these conversations than we're, uh, we're going to have. Um, we, we've talked about kind of the local economic impact that exists in our college towns. Not so much. I mean, some of it's tied to sports, but some of it's just students being gone, period, for, for an extended period of time. Can you kind of speak to to that in Hattiesburg and and maybe the economic impact even on the athletics department from from baseball and all the spring sports being shut down? Well, yeah, you're exactly right because any time that we have a sporting event here, obviously we're bringing revenue into our our city and in our in our community and and as as well as school. You know, when we return in two weeks from spring break, the students will be online. So, you know, those that uh, would normally drive in. For classrooms to have to get gas, you know those that aren't uh, staying in residence halls that are commuters, you know you won't find them commuting anymore. So, uh, you know that that affects the local eateries, uh, you know the gas pumps, everything that goes into our economy. So, you know it's a it's a pretty big jolt. That's why I really feel like that the decisions that have been made are not knee-jerk decisions. They're well thought through uh, and and well advised and 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 dealing with all this uh, across the country and everything, because it impacts a lot of people. I mean, we are, we're sports people, and we see what it does to the sporting world. But, you know, you think about the uh, at our own place here, you know, the concessionaires that, that work our concessions, our security people that work our security, you know, now they don't have those jobs. So it's a, it's a huge in, impact economically on, on everybody. How old are you, Scott? I'm 57. So when is the last time that you had a spring without baseball as part of your life? I think 50 it years? Was back in high school, in all honesty. I remember we, we we were off spring break. For some reason, we didn't play. And uh, there was about four of my buddies that we headed to Table Rock Lake back in Missouri and, and stayed a few days there. Got his... Hmm. Dad's camper and went, but I know the 36 years that I've been coaching baseball, I've never, never been able to turkey hunt on spring break like I am right now. Uh, so, I, I was going to say, my guess is there is a significant amount of hunting and fishing in the future to occupy some of your time. Well, that is one. Well, that is one area that I have not heard addressed is that you could catch the coronavirus as hunting or fishing. So I would certainly, uh, you know, if you don't, if you don't have those as hobbies then you might want to take them up especially if you're a baseball coach right now yeah yeah i said uh and i was obviously being tongue-in-cheek i'm not sure it's a great time to uh to be a gobbler or to be a crappie in the state of mississippi right now because you got a lot oh, of folks heat, with a lot of extra yeah. time on their hands <laughs> the heat just got turned up a little bit on them yep yep no question about that um i i am curious on a, on a more serious note we got a couple of minutes left the ncaa has uh has said that uh, this year of eligibility will be extended, so nobody's going to lose a year of eligibility. 
There are a lot of challenges, though, that go along with that in terms of who gets scholarships, how much scholarships have to be applied, overall roster management, size of rosters. Have you even begun to think about how you're going to kind of deal with that going into next year? You know, I really haven't because uh, where I know that they have addressed that is uh, the student-athletes will get that year back. They haven't yet made uh, public to us how we are supposed to manage that and what kind of adjustments that they're willing to make for us to manage it. You know, I don't think this is a one-year deal. Uh, you know, this is something that can That's go on three, three, even four years of trying to manage because – you know, recruiting is so far ahead right now. I mean, you're not just recruiting for next year. Next year's done. The following year is just about done. You know, a lot of the people are, are into 24 class. So, you know, it, it, this thing trickles down, and baseball is going to be affected uh, by it more than anybody, uh, and especially when you start tying in the draft and, and everything that goes, those scenarios that we have to deal with, nobody, has, nobody else has to anyway. So, uh, you know, I think uh, – that's uh, that's that's going to be interesting. How all this is going to be uh, be handled and how how it's managed. I think it's awesome. Uh, no way should a kid lose a year eligibility because he got to play a third of the season and something happened out of his control and our control. I think that's great that they get that back. And uh, but you know, on the same hand, there's going to have to be some adjustments made in our current rules of of how we manage scholarships and, and roster limits for sure. Well, some of those details come out, I hope we can uh, circle back and talk to you a little bit more about the inc- intricacy of, of trying to go through that process. But uh, for now, we'll just uh, we'll wish you the best of luck in the woods and uh, on the lake. And I know you'll spend a bunch of time on the uh, the lawnmower as well. I'm sure you'll have your yard in great-looking uh, condition this spring. Well, you're right. All of the above, I, I will do that. So, But uh, we miss baseball, and I know everybody does uh, as well. Yes, sir. But, uh, you know, we'll just we hang in there and do the best we can. Hey, always appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. Anytime, Richard. Thank you. That's Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. Uh, You get a little perspective on how he dealt with his team, what he talked to them about. Uh, A lot of unknown in terms of dealing with baseball rosters going forward, despite the NCAA saying, yeah, we're going to grant another year of eligibility. Nobody's going to lose a year of eligibility for this partial season. Ah, but all the details that go along with that. Thanks to Scott Berry for joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. Some of your reactions on the C Spire text line. Greg in Columbus says, so no more than 10 people gathering together. Does this mean instead of going home to my wife and nine children, I can just go hang out at the fish camp for the next six weeks? The math is there. Uh, as long as it's less than ten people at the fish camp, yes. The uh, the the math works, Greg. Although um, you might find yourself no longer part of your family of eleven, if I'm doing the math right, after a sort amount of time. Um, Jason, two extra playoff teams. Does that mean that five and seven teams are going to be in the wild card? Well, they play more games than that in the NFL. And uh, Jason does go on to say that Tampa wants anyone other than Mr. 30-30, talking about Jameis Winston with his 30 touchdowns 
and 30 picks last year. People have put together the teams that would have made the playoffs under this new structure, and the list is not near as bad as an expanded playoff would make you think it would be. A lot of Steelers teams would have made the playoffs as well. Huh. Uh, we've got a message that says, just to let you know, there was baseball in Flowood this weekend where the Mississippi Fighting Tigers out of Macomb won the 10U championship, so good for them. There you go. Uh, Ed in Pontotoc says, uh, nice job, Richard and entire crew. That's Hey Dad and Borky and Rippy for keeping some semblance of normalcy in this crazy time. Southern Miss baseball coach was great. I agree with you. I uh, I always enjoy our conversations with uh, with Scott Barry. He is uh, very down to earth. He's got a great perspective. He is a fantastic baseball coach. His players play really really hard for him and have a great deal of respect for him. He is just absolutely one of the good guys. And uh, I tell you what, we may pull Scott Barry back on to talk and just not talk about baseball. Like just because I like visiting with him so much, Borky, we we may uh, keep up with his exploits, uh, going after the uh, the turkeys and the fishing holes and whatnot. Outdoors with Scott, I like it. Outdoors with Scott Barry, that is uh, that is not a bad plan at uh, at all. So we've actually got a fair amount to get to this afternoon. Jeremy McLean who is the athletics director at Southern Miss. We were trying to get caught up with him on Friday. We will uh, we'll visit with him coming up in uh, in just a few minutes. And then also Maddie Lee, who is now in Oklahoma City. You remember remember Maddie for a, uh, a relatively short time working at the Clarion Ledger. She did some good work covering Ole Miss in the uh, short time that she was there. She's now a beat reporter for the Oklahoma City Thunder and was in the building last Wednesday night when all hell kind of broke loose, when uh, the teams were on the floor and nobody could find Rudy Gobert, and then Chris Paul wanted to know where Gobert was, and ultimately the uh, the first domino fell into the uh, to the cancellation of basically everything in the uh, last four or five days. So we'll talk to Maddie about what it was like to be in the venue, what she's hearing about uh, the NBA's future plans as well. And, Borky, the thing is, just the second you lay out plans, if Major League Baseball tells you, well, we're targeting this day, or the NBA says, well, these are our plans, like 48 hours later those plans change. and we put, It's like we, we, we move along 48 hours and then push everything back another two weeks to a month. Yeah, and that's depressing to think about, but... Um... I, I can't believe this weekend I got excited when I read an article saying that the NBA's target date is June. By comparison, that would be a 12-week hiatus, and the China's Basketball Association is starting back this week after an eight-week hiatus. And okay. apparently, I mean, they could go sooner. Like, And maybe other leagues are doing this too. We just don't know much about it. I mean, you don't have guys like Woj and Shams just – breaking news left and right for all these other leagues. But it certainly sounds like the NBA, above all else, really have things figured out. And I guess they're, they have really smart leadership that was prepared for this and have multiple plans. If things go wrong, they'll do this. If things go right, they'll do this. Seems like they've got it all figured out. All I know is that when you tell me the NBA is going to start playing or is targeting June... And then I hear in a press conference today from the President of the United States 
that it could be July or August before coronavirus is really under control. Uh, two plus two does not equal four. Yeah. In those two things, the likelihood my it, my guess would be that they would make sure all of their essential personnel do not have the virus and then play in empty venues until you get the all clear. Okay. I mean, they've even mentioned playing at their practice facilities, like real games, to ensure that nobody's there. Huh. Well, I know the television partners would welcome that because there's a great big boatload of nothing on TV right now outside of, I mean, you got the news, and you got Sports Center, and you got old movies. Sound of Music was the uh, movie choice at our house last night. Good movie. The original version, the uh, Julie Andrews version, not the, um, oh, who was it a couple of years ago in the musical? There's another version of that Carrie Underwood. It's Carrie Underwood a couple of years ago. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon, the 16th of March. As I said at the beginning of the show, strange times that we are in, but we roll on. And we're glad to be with you on this Monday afternoon. We're going to go back to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, to chat with Jeremy McLean. He's the athletics director at the University of Southern Mississippi and uh, Jeremy, my assumption is that there is nowhere in the athletics director's manual that uh, outlines how you handle the last 96 to, oh, I, my math beyond that is not good, the last four or five days. Uh, there's no real blueprint for uh, how to go through this time, is there? There's not. I mean, it is, uh, we, we use the term unprecedented, but uh, that's exactly what this is. I think uh, none of us, if you had asked us to sit down and think about the most unimaginable aspects of the job, this probably would not have been on the list. And, uh, but it's where we are. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm proud of our industry and the way we responded over the past, um, few days, five or six days. I think it's, there have been some very difficult decisions, but I think they've been made in an effort to protect uh, the population. And I am proud of, of how our industry has responded. Kind of walk us back through the timeline. Wednesday night was when kind of the first domino fell in the NBA with with Rudy Gobert testing positive for coronavirus. Then it seemed like uh, from that point for about the next 48 hours, it was just one postponement or cancellation after another. So so what was your experience? Where were you? Uh, what were the yeah. decisions related to the conference and, and Southern Miss in particular? Yeah, we were actually in Frisco, Texas at, uh, at our conference tournament, and our women's team had played Wednesday morning. We'd actually had an athletic director's meeting that morning, and we had had some conversation about what was happening uh, with the coronavirus, but it, was, it wasn't to a heightened standpoint that it became very quickly. And so once the day began to unfold, we saw more and more, more things begin to happen. Um, you know, the conversation started taking place about limiting fans. And, and so that's in that, that Wednesday afternoon, we got to a point where we were going to make that announcement Wednesday night, move to Thursday you know, begin to limit people in the, uh, we'd had a long conversation about the right number, right? Based on, based on some of the CDC, um, uh, information and advice that had been given out. Uh, so we were trying, we we're working through that process. And then, you know, I really do think when that happened in the NBA, that's when it really flipped for everyone. And we, you know, I think it became clear that we can't, if we can't protect our student athletes, you know, do we really need to move forward? And so when the NBA suspended, League play and, and, and they had a couple of players test positive. I think that changed everything. And, uh, from that point forward, it was really a whirlwind. 
We spend so much time talking about college baseball because it's so important. And so when I ask this, I'm, I'm certainly not minimizing the fact that we've got softball and tennis and golf and, and other spring sport championships at, at other schools. But it just feels like a massive punch in the gut to the entire state of Mississippi, uh, you know, given the success uh, of the baseball programs and the passion that fans have for baseball. Uh, we visited with Scott Berry just a little while ago, and as, as he always did, uh, does, kind of has taken things in stride and brings pretty good perspective to the table. But can you kind of speak to that a little bit about what it means yeah. for, for the Southern Miss community in particular to be without baseball for the remainder of the spring at, at Pete Taylor Park? Well, it's, um, I think you hit the nail on the head. It is a gut punch. I think it's difficult in a lot of ways. Obviously, like you said, we've got student athletes across all of our spring sports that are, that are negatively impacted and, and, and it's really difficult for all of them. Um, I think baseball in Mississippi is obviously a really big deal and the tradition and the history and what our fan base looks forward to, what our student athletes look forward to. It's, 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 it's a, it's a great time in the state of Mississippi in the spring for that reason. And to be without that is, 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 you know, it's hard to even wrap your head around, to be honest with you. This weekend, not having a game to go to or listen to or follow was, was really surreal. And, and then I think about our student athletes as a former baseball player. You know, I think about, you know, you put yourself in their shoes and what would that have been like to, to all of a sudden have your season halted right as it was really getting going you're getting into conference play and really the heart of the season and so it's difficult and it's 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 um you know it's something that obviously i don't want any of them to ever have to experience but it is bigger than that and uh you know the issue is bigger than that and as we as we've mentioned it's um you know i i had tweeted out this week one of our seniors on the baseball team that shared shared some great perspective and, uh, you know, I think as athletes, we learn some things, right? And a couple of those things that hit home, one is you, you, you really are trained to be about something bigger than yourself. And I think that's what we're facing here is, you know, this is bigger than baseball. It's bigger than any of us. It's obviously bigger than college athletics. It's about making sacrifices and doing the right things, even though, even when they're not fun. And, and that's where we find ourselves. Jeremy McLean visiting on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. He is the athletics director at Southern Miss. And we're just kind of talking about all of the uh, the implications that go along with the basically the cancellation of the entire spring semester. Now, school will pick up after uh, after a couple of weeks spring break and, uh, and online classes, but it's going to feel much different than it has. Jeremy, you're in a position where budgets matter and spending matters and trying to be fiscally responsible matters have you had a chance to to kind of look and determine what kind of a financial impact this is going to have on your department yeah we started that process um quite honestly that's fun right i intentionally did not uh did not take a look at that the first few days because that didn't need to be about that but we started that process and you know for us as you mentioned baseball is so big in the state of mississippi on our campus, oftentimes baseball is our is our second highest revenue producing sport from the standpoint of funding our department. So, um, so so for us, it's a big hit. It's a big hit, and so we're just now getting into the details of what that would look like from the standpoint of refunds and uh, suites and, and all the things that go into that. And, and so it will be a, it'll be a hit to us. Uh, but again, trying to keep things in perspective, uh, we tried not to focus on that this first part of you know this first week, but. Uh, it, it, reality will hit soon in that regard, and there'll be things we have to. We'll have to make some adjustments 
uh, from now to the end of June to to you know make up the difference in what we're gonna we're gonna, what we're gonna lose from a revenue standpoint. How do you go about managing the budget that, that exists? I mean, we, we've talked very openly about the fact that you know, you're, you're in the state of Mississippi where you've got two schools that, as part of the SEC, have got nine-figure budgets. They're both over $100 million, and you're at, in the neighborhood of a quarter of that, which means you have to be smart and you have to be creative, but there are certain limitations that are in place. So how do you kind of go about approaching that on a day-to-day basis, even without a situation like we're dealing with now? Yeah, it's a challenge. There's no doubt about that, but it's not insurmountable. I mean, if you look at the history of Southern Miss and the success we've had, it's, it's, we've never been a place where, um, you know, just been plush with, with revenue. And, and so I think part of that is, is, is who we are. I think we're willing, you know, we're a place that, uh, you better be willing to work and, and put in extra effort if you're going to come be a part of this, coach here, play here, whatever the case may be, we want people who are willing to do that and they're kind of wired that way as part of their DNA. And so that's part of it. I think the other aspect is you really you really have to understand the definition of need and the definition of want. And so for us, we try to prioritize when we create our budgets, what, what are the things that are gonna they're gonna impact our student athletes the most? You know, can we do this uh, in a different way? Can we can we be smarter about how we're doing this? But Focus on the things that are going to impact our ability to be successful and, and positively influence our student athletes. And I think when you're forced to do that, you realize that there's a whole lot, you know, your list, there's a lot more wants on that list than you think there are. And, and so for us, we're just really smart about that piece of the budgeting process. And then we have to continue to, the other side of the ledger, we have to continue to increase revenue streams, you know, be creative. We, we, we just renegotiated a new uh, deal with our, with our, uh, our media partner, multimedia uh, rights deal. And, and so making sure we maximize every one of those opportunities, making sure we maximize our t- season ticket sales, making sure we maximize our development aspect. And so, you know, you have to really address both sides of the ledger. But it's, you know, and I tell our folks this all the time, we don't waste any time talking about what we don't have because that's not not who we're going to be. It's not helpful. It's not – we have plenty of resources to be successful, and that's all that matters. And that's what we're going to focus on. And so for me, it's just about, you know, and, I, and I've always been places that, you know, you've had to do that. And, and so for me, it's, it's, it's no different than any place I've ever been. And so our attitude, I think, drives a lot of that. And I just want to make sure our approach is one that we're not going to focus on the negative aspect of what somebody else may have that we don't, but just yeah. how do we get to the finish line? How do we be as successful as we can possibly be? Certainly interesting perspective there. And to wrap up, we've got about a minute left. The the Pete Taylor project, which has turned out fantastically and already was paying dividends yeah. this season yeah. with some, you know, games you were able to play that you might not have been able to play otherwise. Is that the example of the need versus want piece? Yeah, it is. It is. Not and, and I think it's also a great example. We you know, I got here in uh May of last year and, and Scott and I sat down pretty quickly and it had been a really tough season from a weather standpoint and so we talked about the project and what we wanted to do, and, and really we're starting from ground zero. The university um, did help us get get going, but we had to raise some, some, for us, significant dollars in a short period of time, and our folks stepped up. We said, hey, here's what's important to us. This is really going to matter. It's going to affect our program in a positive way, and we got that done in a very short period of time because people wanted to support what we were trying to do. And so I think it's a great example of need versus want, 
and also when we when we have a project that is important to our mission, we got a great um, group of, of donors and great fan support here that's going to help us get to a place where we need to be. Jeremy, really appreciate your time. I hope we can do this again soon. Good visiting with you this afternoon. and wish you all the best in what is uh, certainly a unique spring. Well, same, same to you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Mississippi on this Monday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, and Brian Haydad. You want to text the show, you can on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. And don't forget um, about uh, C Spire Health. Avoid the waiting room with C Spire Health. Download the telehealth app and get... Tr- Excuse me, treated by UMMC clinicians right from your phone. It's now just $29 per visit for everyone, regardless of your carrier. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Cspire customer inspired. All right, Borky, do you want to start the rundown on some of these NFL deals? The most recent one that I just saw come across the New York Giants have signed Jadavion Clowney to a four-year, $87.2 million contract. It's a start in the right direction. For him? No, for for the New York football giants. Yeah. Um, It's hard to keep up at this point. So when you said the most recent, I thought you were talking about uh, Jack Conklin not uh, sticking with Nashville. Not Nashville. uh, Staying in Nashville and sticking with the Titans. Um, he's going to the Cleveland Browns. Suddenly, the Browns' offense might be the most talented, which is a key caveat, the most raw, talented offense in the NFL. It is that talented. If they don't make the playoffs this year, they never will again. Jack Conklin, right tackle. One of the top free agent offensive linemen is off the market. He has agreed to terms on a three-year deal with the Browns for $42 million. $30 million of that is guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter at ESPN. Yeah, mm. the hits just keep on coming. I, a welcome distraction. Uh, if we want to do winners and losers today, we can. My loser was going to be a, a handful of uh, blue checkmark sports media that kept calling the NFL doing free agency today, air quotes, tone deaf or uh, grossly tone deaf is one that I saw pretty weird considering that uh, um, you don't have to travel anywhere to get this done. And the distraction's been really nice. Maybe that's just me. Um, it's been a crazy day. There's another blue checkmark sports writer that would go in the losers column today. <laughs> hey, Dad. He may have had his microphone off. No, I heard, and, I heard uh, you. What, what, what did I miss? No, I just said there was another checkmark blue sports writer guy that uh, would have gone in the uh, losers list today. Who? I missed it. You commented on it on Twitter this morning, Ralph Russo. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I just which I I haven't talked to Ralph in probably fifteen years. I liked him years ago when he was in Mississippi covering. Mississippi College Sports, the Associated Press, but basically said that uh, local radio is just a bunch of hacks and 
we're going to screw up the news with regard to coronavirus. I'm paraphrasing. Everything has happened. Everything happens so quickly right now that if it didn't happen in the last 10 minutes, I probably don't remember it happening. <laughs> That's fair. But I agree with what Borky was saying that people are working, you know, life is still going on to some extent and this is part of the NFL. This is this is their business. Why why is it a problem just because it's the more popular business and people keep up with it? Why is it a problem that they're doing their jobs? A little normalcy is good. Oh, the problem is because it's a lot of money. Oh, for God's sakes. These teams are all donating millions. We just saw like Gail Benson put up a, a, a big donation. Uh, I mean, they're, they're giving back to their communities. Yeah, they're making big money, sure. But that's just how life goes, man. That wasn't a problem three weeks ago. Why is it a problem? Yeah, I was going to say, where has anyone said that money's a problem? Darren Rovell. Oh, really? God. Oh, wait, oh, there's your first problem, Borky. Yeah, Darren Rovell, our first moral mistake. compass. Uh, but, I mean, I've seen it all over. It's it's not uh, just common to him. I mean, there are, uh, oh gosh, Mike Florio, too, has been, uh, 20 minutes before it opened up, he said, prepare for the most embarrassing day in NFL history since they played a game after JFK's assassination. That guy has a platform on NBC. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that being at a national outlet does not mean that you are an exceptionally high critical thinker. It means you likely no, went to Missouri. Self important. Yeah, <laughs> that's a requirement. We uh, we might circle back to winners and losers coming in a little while. Let's uh, let's walk through some of these deals. John Bostic. Is going to re-sign with the Redskins. That's a smallish deal. This is a bigger deal. Forty-nine ers trading defensive tackle DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a first-round deal. He's already agreed to a big contract that pays him twenty-one million a year and makes him the second highest-paid defensive tackle in NFL history, behind only Aaron Donald. Wonder why the Forty ers chose to go this route. To get a wide receiver. To get a wide receiver. They're already so good on the defensive line, and now they get, not their pick, but they get the 13th pick. And the amount of good wide receivers that exist in this draft. I mean, imagine Henry that Ruggs San Francisco team. Yeah, Henry, I mean, add Henry Jerry Ruggs Judy to that. Judy will be there. San Francisco will be there. Judy, Ruggs, uh, I'm trying to think. The Clemson guy. Uh, Justin T. Ross. Higgins. Oh, Higgins. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all those guys are going to be there at 13. So. Yeah. They're going to add a, a big-time playmaker with that, which is scary because what I always said last year about the 49ers was they just seemed to, like, death by a thousand paper cuts you. Now if they're going to put somebody who can take the top off that defense with Kittle, oh, they're not going anywhere. Also limited cap space as well. They've paid a lot of people, and Buckner, I That's think, is like $21 million a year now. Yeah. Stefan Diggs, it looks like, could be on the move from Minnesota. He has tweeted, it's time for a new beginning. Somebody asked him about it. He's like, nah, this ain't one of them times. Something is going to happen. And so we'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are bringing back defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul. They've re-signed him to a two-year, $27 million deal. A little bit of a Nice comeback story for Jason Pierre-Paul, given the fireworks incident a few years ago. Yeah. Man, you are burying the lead on the deal of the day, though. 
Yeah, you really are. But say so we're going to talk about the, the, there's two big I, things. One, hold on one now, Mississippi hold on. related and oh, hang on a second. Not. I'm working in reverse order. I'm going from most recent to earlier in the day. I'll skip a few of them. The Arizona Cardinals and Houston Texans, a massive trade, sending wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona and running back David Johnson to Houston. Cardinals also get a 2024th round pick, while the Texans get a second round pick in 2020 and a 2021 fourth round pick. What are the Houston Texans doing? (laughs) And here's the thing. This trade would kind of make sense because of the receiver class we just mentioned. You you know, Hopkins and Bill O'Brien haven't, they've kind of had it out for each other and stuff, and it's been weird. And you get a running back, and then you draft a, a wait, they don't have a first round pick. Yikes. I mean, imagine, I know they've got to pay Hopkins. Like that, they have to do that. And that would have been a lot of money, and they still have to pay a left tackle. And I get it, but trading a top three wide receiver in the league for a running back who's probably already past his prime, at least not worth that wide receiver, and then not having a first round pick to supplement the missing wide receiver, it's mind blowing. Well, the, another way to frame it is they've traded Clowney and uh, and Hopkins and didn't get a first-round pick for either, like not one between the two. And I believe this is the first major trade they've made since Bill O'Brien took over as permanent GM. Hmm. Eric Flowers gets a three-year deal with the Dolphins. Wasn't he the one that was so bad for Eli Manning with the Giants a couple of years ago? Yeah, that was that was not good. Keeps on getting paid. All right. The first-round pick tag will will get you jobs that you don't deserve sometimes. I uh, I suppose that is correct. I, I'm I'm he holding was, off he on was this because playing tackle though for Eli and them at this point at that and now he's a guard it makes a little difference. Yeah, it certainly can make a uh, little difference. The uh, the biggest piece of news today involving NFL comes out of Dallas, but we don't have time to do it right now. That's okay. He, you guys got upset a second ago. Well, that's we not, gotta, see, that's we not even what I was half. talking about. I was talking about uh, Tannehill instead of Brady. I understand. The tag was expected in Dallas, I think. Yeah, I, I understand. You, you have to remember, though, Borky, we're in a whole new world right now. we got to make a these... A whole you know, new world. You know, there, <laughs> there is limited thing, stuff to get to. we got to build to it. We're building to a crescendo. Uh, man, I forgot. Not we unexpected in Big D, but nevertheless, the tag. And then what about in Nashville? Rippy's Titans deciding they like who they've got. They don't need the goat. More coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Back with you on this Monday, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will press pause on the NFL trade discussion. And I don't know how much we'd be talking about that if it weren't kind of a strange day otherwise. We would much prefer to be talking about the opening weekend of the SEC baseball season, which was supposed to happen to this weekend, but obviously the world has been shut down. Mike Bianco is the head baseball coach at Ole Miss. He joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line as he has on Mondays throughout the course of the season. And 
Coach, I don't know if perspective is what we're looking for or just kind of, you know, anecdotally what you've dealt with and talking with your teams and being on conference calls and administrators and just trying to kind of get a handle on this entire situation. So from your perspective, what have the last few days been like? Uh, wow, I guess, you know, our world got, you know, turned upside down last Wednesday night. You know, we, uh, we win a game at Louisiana Monroe and, uh, we, we, we shower there and, you know, load the bus and I have to get on a conference call, uh, with Keith Carter and, uh, uh the senior staff here in the athletic department and, and every coach. And, uh, uh, and, you know, that night was the night that, uh, they decided that we would, you know, the SEC, that we would play for this weekend, but play without fans. And that was just the start of it. And probably since that conference call, you know, it's, it's just been really crazy, like everybody else's world, you know, uh, to where it seems like everything's changing, you know, not by the day, not even by the hour, but literally by the minute. And so we went from playing and not playing in front of fans to, uh, you know, canceling the weekend and, you know, kind of going on sabbatical till March 30th. Uh, to, you know, April 15th and, and now, you know, the, the, the College World Series and other things are canceled and it looks, you know, likely that, you know, possibly the baseball season is, you know, going to be officially over. And, and so, yeah, it's just been really crazy, really emotional. Uh, you can imagine that the, 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 the you know, having, you know, one message and the 12 hours later having another message for your team and, uh, just, uh, just a sad, you know, state of affairs. But I think it just kind of puts it in perspective how real this really is you know when, when you get to this point you know uh, a nation that uh, cares so much about sports and athletics you know when you're you know uh, when you stop that i think it makes you step back and go hey man this is really big i mentioned to scott Berry when we talked to him a little while ago that i was pretty critical i guess it was thursday last week when the ncaa in mid-march made the decision to cancel its championships for you know the the winter sports and the spring sports so Ultimately, you know, talking specifically about baseball, you're talking about canceling the College World Series in mid-June in mid-March, three months out. I, I guess we probably would have gotten to that point, even though it felt a little premature at the time. Is that kind of how you look at it as, you know, uh, another day goes by and we get another wave of cancellations and, and timelines get keep getting pushed back? Yeah, and I think I'm not different than anybody else where, you know, every time you flip on the TV or radio or look at Twitter, you know, there's another closing of something. There's another uh, limit to how many people can be, you know, in one place, and it just continues to, to spiral. And, you know, you're like, what's next? You know, what domino is going to fall next? Uh, I, I think you're right. I think when it came out that President Emmert, uh, you know, decided to cancel all the NCAA championships. I mean, that was a big blow. It was like, yeah, how could you do this mid-March? And, you know, much like, you know, our, our, our commissioner, Greg Sankey, who's been just, you know, extraordinary, you know, through, through this whole thing, uh, I think was shocked. I think everybody was shocked. Uh, uh, but as time goes on, uh, we, we realize that it's, it's, it's a baseball game. It's a baseball season. And as much as it hurts and as much as, you know, having a really great team and, and playing really well, uh, you know, now you start worrying about your family and trying to get your kids home and, you know, trying to make sure everybody's healthy. So I've been around baseball at Ole Miss for a long time and have kind of been covering it or working in radio or, or television around it for the entire time that you've been here. I don't remember this ever being the case before. Uh, when, when you look at the weekly SEC honors, we were – 
what, four, I guess five weeks in, and in every single week you had had a player that was either player of the week, co-player of the week, pitcher of the week, freshman of the week, and it happens again this week after just the unbelievable two days that Tyler Keenan had uh, down in, in Monroe. You don't ever remember having that before, do you? No, that, that's never happened. Where I think, you know, through five weeks, we've, we've had six different honors. Uh, one, usually they won't let you. <laughs> you, you. Sometimes you get upset and you go, you're like, wow, why did, why was this guy player of the week, pitcher of the week, freshman of the week? And it's almost like they're trying to spread the wealth. And so, uh, obviously, uh, you know, we, we, we were playing really well and had a lot of guys, you know, that were, you know, it seemed like every week there was a different star. And no, it's uh, uh, your your uh, memory serves you well. No, this has never happened before. Disappointing, a disappointment. Obviously, was one of the big emotions. But when you talked to your team on Thursday and had to say, "Guys, not only are we not playing for the foreseeable future, you've all got to go home." What what was the reaction like among your players? Um. Well, it, you know, it was a different timetable. So to try to go back quickly, you know, we found out on Wednesday and so on the bus and let them know that, hey, your parents will be allowed in, but we won't have 10, 11, 12,000 at Swayze. There won't be, you know, showers out in right field. There, there won't be anybody in the stadium except for our pass list and their pass list, 140, you know, each team. And then you fast forward literally less than 12 hours later, uh, you know, we're practicing, or uh, maybe a little over 12 hours, we're practicing maybe at noon the next day and you say hey listen we're not going to play this weekend but we're going to inter squad every week we're going to continue to practice we're going to continue to be ready so when they say go we're you know we can continue on this this you know streak of playing so well and then they go in the weight room after practice and uh, you hear you know on espn i'm i'm standing on the treadmill in the same weight room but of course they're working out that uh, the NCAA championships have been canceled. I go out of the weight room. I call Keith Carter. He says that's correct. And uh, but there's still a conference call the next day with the commissioner, uh, with all the ads and presidents to see you know where we go from here. And so now you you pull them into a room and, and basically tell them that you know the College World Series was canceled, the championships canceled. We don't know if the regular season will be canceled. We don't know you know that's still in limbo. And you know I'm crying. They're crying. It, it was uh, you know pretty emotional time. What is, assuming there's no more baseball this year, and all signs point to that being the case, what's going to be the memory that sticks with you for this season, this team? Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm still too close. You know, um, uh, you know, just probably, you know, uh, again, if I had to pick just, you know, you know how, what a neat team, how cool it was, you know, to watch. You know, we, we tried to deflect and, and really, you know, not, not, purposely but because we thought it needed to be deflected that you know this team was going to be about the, the older guys Keenan and Servideo and the Casey and Hoagland and the guys that had success where the media has you know one uh, of the story and the narrative to be about the the, the you know the 20 new guys and the number two ranked recruiting class and the truth of the matter is in 17 games it was it was both you know the, the old guys showed great leadership and played great but the young guys brought a, an energy and a confidence and electricity to the field that i can't remember and what a great combination it was Final thing for you, and I know you've got to go to do a media call in just a second. The NCAA has said nobody's going to lose a year of eligibility. 
what are the challenges that, that you foresee and what are they going to have to do to allow this to work given roster yeah. management and recruiting and all those it's, things? Yeah, it's, it's as you know a little bit about it, Richard. It's, it's so, so complicated. It's so much more difficult than just saying, hey, we're going to give everybody a year. You know, what, where, what does that do to scholarship limitations in our sport? It has roster limitations and scholarship uh, head counts. What does it do to those numbers and, and how far out do you get relief? It's, it's just just a really complicated issue. We talked uh, the SEC coaches along uh, with you know, several ADs today for over an hour on the phone just to voice our opinions. But it's it's going to be a complicated matter to where um, uh, it's going to be hard to find. Uh, you know, I think the balance. You know, it's just it's really something. You know, as you've sure heard the metaphor, you know, so much you know, over the past five days, just uncharted waters. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Until then, really, I think the most important thing is, you know, we we need to be safe. I know we love to talk about sports and baseball, but this this uh, this is much bigger than all of us. You know, this is to the point where, you know. Uh, you know, we're we're basically you know, can't go to the office anymore. Uh, you know, we're back home. It's it's time for everybody to start start worrying about being safe. Mike, I appreciate your time. I wish we were going to do this for oh twelve or fifteen more weeks, but uh, I guess this is probably it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Richard. Take care. That is Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Uh, some interesting perspective th- for, uh, there from him. Said uh, you know, talking to his team uh, about the fact that. Uh, there was not going to be a postseason, no opportunity for the College World Series. Said he was emotional about it. His team was emotional about it. Uh, talked about how, um, you know, the, the story coming in, they wanted to be about the older guys. A lot of other people were making the story about the new guys, and it really had turned out to be a combination of the two. And uh, the disappointment with college baseball effectively being over for the uh, the 2020 season. I mean, I guess the only thing that we're left to have is an official announcement that the SEC tournament has been canceled. But, you know, like everything else, the announcement's coming. Just hang on for a little bit. Appreciate Mike Bianco joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will be right back. Hey, Borky. Yes, sir. Most common statement or question that I have encountered in the last four days, and I know you've gotten it internally and externally, and hey, Dad, I'm sure you've gotten it as well as you've you know kind of bounced around to some different places. Man, what are you guys going to talk about? <laughs> Constantly. You know? I mean, every... We're going to do just what we've done today. We're going to bring you guests. We're going to try to entertain a little bit. We'll get off the wall some as we go, and there's some days that will be a little slower than others. But as I said last week, and I, I was not being flippant when I said it, we're not going anywhere. Mm-mm. We're, we're, we're going to try and do an interesting show every day and try to entertain you a little bit and try to inform you. And when news breaks, we're going to keep you up to date with that. Uh, when we get updates from the Mississippi Department of Health or the governor's office or uh, if the president breaks in for a news conference in the middle of the afternoon, then we will bring it to you. Uh, but we're going to have some fun, and uh, we're going to try and do that on a, on a daily basis. And if it's like this for a month, so be it. And if it's like this for three months, so be it. Um, I'm really hope- looking forward to the NBA being the only sport on, so we have to talk about it 
I'm looking forward to that so much. I don't. We'll find something else to talk about. <laughs> One way or another, something else. Will, no, uh, you're right. Uh, if if the NBA comes back and there's nothing else going on, then uh, uh, we we will embrace it. We will embrace it. Hey, Dad. My hope at this point, I uh, I, I paused a little bit earlier today when President Trump said, you know, July or August potentially, uh, the time frame for kind of getting this under. Uh, under wraps and under control, I really hope that we are not in the first week of August discussing, well, a delayed start to the college football season. Hmm. Surely not. Surely not. But here's the thing. So the Kentucky Derby is going to announce tomorrow that they are postponing, and the target date was September 5th. You know, the first Saturday of college football. Imagine how cool it would be to be in a college football stadium and the Jumbotron cuts to the Kentucky Derby. So while you're sitting back in your college football game, you've got the Derby on the Jumbotron. That is awesome. Yes. Got to sink the – that's the halftime show for whatever the ABC (laughs) game is, right? It's got to be. Uh, just delay it if you have to. They delay the Super Bowl, right? You've got the halftime yeah, you show can, takes forty five minutes. Work. Just yeah, you can make it work. And then you know you're talking about then think about it from a marketing, a branding perspective, right? Well, we had the highest rated halftime show outside of the Super Bowl in television history on ABC. I get Boom. that the 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 dates are you know it's just a constant moving target right now, but let's. Let's be semi-optimistic and assume that by some point this summer, you know, maybe it's after the 4th of July, maybe it's August 1st, uh, you know, what whatever that date is. But at some point, we resume some level of normalcy. And, and it's going to be a work in progress. I mean, it's not going to be like we snap our fingers and everything's back to normal. It, it's going to have to kind of trend in that direction for a while. But let's just say by August 15th, the coronavirus is mostly contained in the United States and that things are kind of getting back to normal and the market is stabilized and all of our sports has, has started over. Okay, we, we will know that college baseball is, is a non-starter and, and nothing will happen on that front. But what if we have the NBA playing a condensed remainder of the regular season and getting into the playoffs and we have Major League Baseball going and we have the Kentucky Derby in the fall, and the Masters is played in the fall, and we have the start of college football season all at the same time. It's almost too good to be true. We're going to need six hours. I was going to say, is that when we lobby for, uh, could we stay on until seven? Would, would that be a problem for anybody? Oh, man. Uh, Sorry, Lars Larson. We're going to need an hour of your time. If it takes that long, though, I, you know, I've been trying to come up with ideas. There was one since Rippy had to leave the room to go to a press conference um, that I came up with that I was laughing to myself. So real-time planning. Tell me if this is not the funniest thing you've ever heard. Rippy reads rap, where we find rap lyrics, edit them for FCC <laughs> rules, and make Rippy read them on the air. Yes. <laughs> Put me was, down as a yes. I'm sitting here in the studio by myself. Like, everybody's gone. I'm just laughing out loud here and rippy, like... <laughs>
I think we could do this for Hey Dad also. We could re- uh. we could have Rippy Reed's rap and Hey Dad handles hip hop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm in. I'll do it. We'll do it after this break if you like. <laughs> after uh. this break, we will bring to you the college football fix. There is a limited amount of news as it relates to college football, but one item that Borky found today that might be fascinating. And then we will return to uh, NFL trade talk. And there are a couple of big stories that we've not yet gotten into. Again, building to a crescendo or something like that. Two hours in the books. Sports Talk Mississippi on a Monday. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Monday, the 16th of March. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Rippy will rejoin us in a few minutes after he finishes with uh, a press conference that, uh, I guess I should say a teleconference that uh, Mike Bianco and Keith Carter are happening with uh, having right now with the media that covers Ole Miss. You can uh, be a part of the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. That's the easiest way for you to be a part of the conversation. Don't forget that uh, you can avoid the waiting room with C Spire Health. Download their telehealth app today and get treated by UMMC clinicians right from your phone. It's now just $29 per visit for everyone. With C Spire Health, anyone in Mississippi can get treatment for non-emergency conditions like fever, coughing, and more. Even have your prescriptions sent to your local pharmacy. Download the C Spire Health app and try it for just $29 per visit. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Uh, a couple of things on the C Spire text line. Ed and Ponatox says, Coaches Bianco and Barry remind us fans that these players are young men with real feelings. Good to know these coaches see the big picture and how this experience can shape them as men and fathers after baseball. Good text, Ed. Thanks for that. Um, somebody wanted to know if we hang out off the air. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> Funny guy, Borky. <laughs> Funny guy. We live in three different cities, so, you know. But that yes. said, when we're all together, yeah. These yeah. guys could be my next-door neighbor. Probably wouldn't even wave. Borky big on social distancing even before it was a thing. Buddy, I was supposed to go to a crawfish boil this weekend that got canceled. I was actually going to be social, but, you know. Yeah. Borky lives in the Jackson metro area, I guess technically in Madison. Hey, Dad lives in Starkville. Rippy and I both live in Oxford. I rarely see Rippy outside of the radio show, but partly because I'm 40 and he's 15. <laughs> you know. Well, the age gap is the same anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway, something like that. I'm, I'm not 40 yet. I'm going to hang on to 39 until the bitter end, uh, although I just did paint myself, though, as the, uh, the 40-year-old. All right, Borky had one uh, pretty interesting college football story. Let's get to that right now for your college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Just because we've got craziness doesn't mean you can't buy one of the best-selling trucks in America. Ford F-150, 43 consecutive years as the number one selling truck in the United States. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. This story comes from Football Scoop. 
The headline is Ivy League program to have first full-time on-the-field woman coach. Brown University, the Ivy League, uh, according to the story, has been ahead of the curve lately with quite a few things, ranging from their decision to eliminate live tackling during in-season practices to moving kickoffs from the 35 to the 40, both of which took place back in 2016. And now Brown University, that's a member of the Ivy League, will have the first Division I program in the country to have a full-time, on-the-field female assistant coach. Heather Marini, an offensive quality control assistant who joined the program last spring, is being promoted to fill the open quarterback's coaching job at Brown, according to a source close to the program. Uh, Brown has released the information, and their head coach, James Perry, says, Heather has earned the coaching position. In one season with our program, Heather's done a great job for us. She's proven through her efforts in the office every day with us in an off-the-field role that she's ready to run the quarterback room. Rainey will take over the quarterback room, returns one of the best quarterbacks at the FCS level. E.J. Perry, first-team All-Ivy League quarterback last season, has led the FCS and broken total offensive uh, offense records in the Ivy League. So this is unique in that it's the first at the Division I level in college football to have an on-the-field coach that is a woman. But it is not unique in sports. It's happening more and more in the NFL. And I think, Borky, the last story I read, the NBA now has over half of the teams in the league that have a full-time female assistant coach. Yeah, or front office staff as well, scouting and things like that. It's increasingly common. And the NBA will probably be the first to have a, a female head coach. I mean, I mean, it's going to be Becky Harmon, right? Uh, be, yeah, Becky Hammond. Uh, Hammond, sorry. The, the Spurs assistant. If New Orleans were to move on from Alvin Gentry after this season, and who knows how the season ends, um, or if it does, uh, she would probably be on the short list. It's going to happen for her eventually. Uh, getting a head coaching gig. Um, and she's wildly respected. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. When you have uh, stories like this that come up, th- there's the inevitable question, will a locker room full of guys listen to a female coach? And the answer is yes. It, they don't care. If you're good. Yeah, they, they couldn't care less at all. And so it won't be a problem uh, for, for this new coach at Brown. It won't be a problem for Becky Hammond. If you know what you're doing, you'll command the attention of the room. If you help them win games, they couldn't care less. Yeah, and first of all, with the, with the Becky Hammond thing, you know, Tim Duncan filled in as the head coach with uh, Popovich missing a couple of games oh, a couple of weeks ago. And in his post-game press conference, he was very cool about it. And the first thing he said was, "Let's be real, guys. Becky Hammond's running this team. Maybe I've got the, you know, the interim head coach title, but but this is Becky running the show. And I thought that was pretty cool for him to point that out and, and make that statement. I do think that for a woman to be able to handle that position, uh, again, as I said just a second ago, you got to be good, right? I mean, you got to be competent. And, and I mean competent at the highest level of whatever field it is that you're working in. But beyond that, I, don't, I, I think you got to be thick-skinned as well, right? And the, for, for this to work, 
and for this to continue to grow, and I, I, I want to be careful how I say this, there are things that in just normal day-to-day life that if men sit around women would be kind of inappropriate, that a female in that position has got to just roll with it. And I'm not saying just be one of the guys. I, I'm, I'm not being, please, I'm not trying to be chauvinistic or whatever other ism you want to throw at me. But for this to work and for it to be a thing, whoever this woman is, whether it's Becky Hammond in the NBA or if you were to get to that point where you had a, a female coach in the NFL, it's not that she's got to be one of the guys, but she's just kind of kind of got to roll with it and not be constantly looking to wave the... Mm. I'm trying to be really, really careful so as not to offend. Is what I, does what I'm saying make sense? It does make sense. It does. Yeah. And there, there is an NFL coach. There is a female NFL coach right now, Katie Sauer. Yeah, just not a head a, coach. Not, not a head coach. No, no. No, no. I was, I was talking about being a head coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it always, uh, it always makes me laugh that so many people when they talk about coaches, especially in football, it's you know, guys, even at the smallest levels, Division three sometimes have played the sport, and obviously. You know that's 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 not going to be the case with I would imagine ninety nine point nine percent of female coaches. So that that to me says that they have to know a little bit more than the average person, right? Because they didn't play, so how did they pick up their knowledge? They've obviously watched a ton of film, done a lot of study. So you have to assume that you know they're coming in ultra prepared, more so than maybe just somebody who you would hire and think, well, he played the position, you know, he should be able to teach it. Yeah. Didn't Mike Leach not play football? He studied it. He got like a degree in it, but didn't he never play actually play football? You're in it's good good news, Borky. I have a device that can get us that answer. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think the answer to that is is correct, Borky. He, he may have played in high school but did not play collegiately. Correct. He went to BYU. He fo- closely followed the exploits of the football team but did not uh did not actually play the sport. Man, and same thing in media, too. You don't have to be a former player to be a very successful and smart no. media person. Well, we're getting a text message from uh, from a guy on here that goes, no, don't worry about offending anybody, Richard. This is just a token position. Look at his text. Yeah, he has a lot more to too. say there, too. Not, 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 a, not a fan yeah. of this. Though, no, this I mean, I've, I've read all of that. It, it just skipped over some of that. As Obviously, well this person does not agree that a female should be a football coach at the Division One level or any other level. I'm just not there. If if they know the game and know how to teach the game and know how to motivate players and are able to command the respect of a locker room, you have no problem with it. It's not necessarily my dream for my daughter, but if that's her dream... Support it. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a timeout. Talk with Maddie Lee next. We keep rolling on this Monday afternoon with you at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Let's once again go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team. 
That is Mississippi Farm Bureau. Perhaps a familiar name to you, Maddie Lee, spent some time at the Clarion Ledger. She was on the Ole Miss beat for a, uh, a relatively short period of time before uh, getting a call to the big leagues. The big leagues were the NBA. Uh, she is now in Oklahoma City where she covers the Oklahoma Thunder as a beat writer there. And uh, Maddie was in the building on Wednesday night when we've kind of referred to it as the first major domino fell that has led to the postponement and cancellation of sports all over the United States and really the world. And, uh, Maddie, appreciate a few minutes of your time uh, this afternoon. I, I've followed you, continued to follow you on Twitter, and uh, uh, saw that you, uh, I think, went into self-quarantine after that happened on, on Wednesday night. What's uh, what's the update? Indeed. Uh, yeah, so thanks for having me on. It's been obviously a crazy few days. Um, yeah, so I was given the suggestion that it wouldn't be bad to go into self-quarantine for at least 24 hours. So I did that. Um, now, still social distancing. It's a weird time, right? Because I haven't been tested. I Unless I start showing symptoms, I don't think I will be. Uh, but if, with the small chance that I could have contracted something, I obviously don't want to pass it on to anyone. So just been, you know, hanging at home with my dog and writing a bunch of stories about coronavirus. Maddie, take us through Wednesday night. Um, so both teams are, are on the floor. Uh, there's a delay to the start of uh, the game. Uh, I think I read somewhere that one of the, the team doctors kind of came running onto the floor and asked the officials to hold the start of the game. And then shortly thereafter, we, we get the uh, the news from Rudy Gobert. So kind of take us through the timeline and, and what it was like in the building on Wednesday night. Yeah, it was a funny thing because, I mean, I keep telling people that it felt so normal other than the, the NBA had just put into effect the minor changes with the locker room, so only players and and uh, specific staff were allowed into the locker room. Essential staff is how they put it. So we did all of our pregame stuff outside of the locker room and kind of in press conference settings so that we'd be six to eight feet away from the players and coaches. So that was a little funky, but I think none of us expected it to go further than that that night. There was obviously the reports that, you know, maybe starting Thursday – the NBA would move to playing games without fans, but that was still a hypothetical and still hadn't been hashed out. And then we go into the game, and so press row where I sit is right behind the scorer's table, and everything is normal up until the point that the players are taking the floor. And like you said, I look up, and Donnie Strack, who kind of heads the Thunder medical staff, is standing there huddled with the game officials instead of the officials, you know, being out there and starting the game. And so at that point, you start to realize that something weird is going on. Chris Paul came over to ask what was happening, and he and uh, another players were quickly told to go back to their benches. And from there, you know, you just had you had different coaches. You have the head coaches called in to confer with the officials and eventually they sent the players to their locker rooms and then it was this very odd situation where obviously you have a bunch of fans who aren't thrilled that the players have just retreated into their locker rooms so almost immediately they come out with a t-shirt toss to kind of calm down those boos and everyone kind of got into that and 
and the other performances, and they ended with the halftime performance before they finally announced that the game had been postponed and that everyone needed to leave and should get home safely. Did they start booing at that point, or was there all of a sudden a realization that things have just gotten real? There were some boos, for sure, but it was honestly a remarkably orderly exit. And I only saw what was going on in the lower bowl, but then I talked to some fans who had been there, and they're like, yeah, I mean, you know, even even up on the concourse, it was pretty orderly. I think... You know, we had started hearing some rumors. Obviously, during this, we're all still trying to report out what is going on. And yeah. I'd heard some rumors that Rudy Gobert you know, might have tested positive for COVID-19. I just hadn't been able to confirm it. And, of course, Sean Serrania was the first to report that. And so I think some fans had already heard some whispers like some rumors about that and there were all these fake accounts that kept tweeting it out and that was a whole nother mess to the side of it um but i think at the time most people were just confused as to what happened and most people learned later either on the radio or on tv that or you know hopefully through some of our twitters or our website because i had a an ongoing updated blog on there that that uh a Utah player, Rudy Gobert, had tested positive for COVID-19, and that was the reason. And then very soon after, the league came out with a statement confirming that a player had tested positive and that, and announcing that they were going to suspend the season until further notice. So I don't know if we were all expecting it to come down that quickly, but, I mean, props to Adam Silver for taking such quick action, and we've as you said, seeing the ripple effects from there. Visiting with Maddie Lee on the Farm Bureau phone line. She is uh, a beat reporter for the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Oklahoman. You can follow her on Twitter at Maddie. That's two D's and an I and an E underscore M underscore Lee. Maddie uh, was in Mississippi for uh, a few months on the Ole Miss beat at the uh, at the Clarion Ledger. Were you in the, the press conference now, the infamous press conference where Rudy Grobert kind of reached and touched all the microphones as he was walking out of the room and kind of laughed about it? So I was not. That was in Utah. And it's okay. interesting talking to the Utah writers because a lot of them have defended Rudy and that action. Obviously, in retrospect, not a great idea to touch a bunch of people's things during what has now been declared a pandemic. But at the time, the way that a lot of them read it was that he was kind of doing it in solidarity with the writers, because a lot of the the precautions that were put into place, yes, they protected everyone, but really seemed like they were being put in place to protect the players from the media, right? Because they were had to be within the, the press conference situation had to be within a certain distance from us, whereas we could all sit in you know chairs next to each other. And sure. and they did do a good job of like trying to do instead of us holding the microphone, they'd use boom mics instead. So there were things to put in place to to protect the writers as well. But really a lot of it was to protect the players, which fair that's who their business is is running through, right? Who their business depends on. But a lot of the writers read that move by Rudy as kind of him being like, look, I'm not afraid of you guys. We're all in this together sort of thing. 
in retrospect, I'm sure he wouldn't have done it completely differently. And now it looks like a really bad move. Uh, but yeah, uh, we can all yeah, learn uh, from upon further mistakes. review. Yeah. No, uh, no question, uh, Maddie. I, I am curious. We, we've seen some timelines reported. Uh, what's the NBA knowing full well that all of this is a moving target? I mean, we, we've heard a couple of weeks, and then you hear a month, and then you hear the president today say, yeah, this thing could be wrapped up by July or August, and so it's a, a, certainly a moving target. But as we sit here, you know, 5.30 Central Time, March 16th, does the NBA have a plan of what they would like to try to pull off at this point? I think it's really hard to make any sort of – solid plan until we know when they can start up again, right? Um, Adrian Wojnarowski, everyone knows as Woj from ESPN. I have not confirmed any of this, but obviously he knows what he's talking about. He reported sure. that that owners were kind of preparing for potentially three months or more before they could restart the season. And, and the league really, you know, trying to provide those owners with financial estimates for, you know, if they don't restart the season all, right, if they have to cancel the rest of the season, um, if they restart without fans in the stands, and if they restart with fans in the stands for playoffs. So that that looks like it's the three options that they're really considering. But, you know, that could all change if this if they're not able to start until August. Like, do you really want to be playing game start starting the playoffs in august when you have to turn around and start a new season in just a, you know a, in october it seems uh that seems unlikely but i mean that same report from Woj, he mentioned that you know they're they're kind of preparing for a possible case where playoffs could go late into august so really so much is up in the air right now and yeah. there are so few decisions and moves that can be made until we know when the united states can get some of this under control maddie you certainly had an interesting perspective on this i appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this afternoon of course thanks for having me on it's always a pleasure and i I loved Mississippi while I was there, even though it was only for half a cup of coffee. So it's always nice to connect with people back there. We'll catch up with you down the line. That's Maddie Lee from the Oklahoma and covers the Oklahoma Thunder on the Farm Bureau phone line. Eventually, it just took another hour and a half. Dak Prescott gets the franchise tag from the Dallas Cowboys. Big deal or no? Well, he got the uh, it, it's the exclusive franchise tag, correct? Yeah, which means they got to pay him more money, and he can't go to anybody else. Well, right, that's so, the, the that's a change in the CBA. You can only tag one dude instead of two now. That's why it's exclusive. Okay, so if I did the math right. That, wait, that's I part of the up. new CBA? Yeah. Okay. Players hate I the franchise tag. That was a big win for them. I looked at a, a website called overthecap.com, and he has to be paid an average of the top five salaries. If my math is right and that site is right, he's going to make $33.6 million this year. Yep. 
So for me, that seems around the neighborhood of what he was going to get anyway. So, you know, I hate to sound like, you know, Tony Montana, you know, a mill here, a mill there, but that is, I mean, 34, 35 million seems like what he's probably going to get anyway. So feels like this is a, uh, you know, going to be a, a quick bridge, I would think, for the Cowboys to, to do a long-term deal. Obviously, they want to try to structure this in a way they can get Amari Cooper still on board as well. But, but I mean... The name of the game in the NFL, though, is guaranteed money long-term. Yes. And if that is the case, depending on whether they sign... Well... You only had one tag to give, so whether they sign Cooper or not, he's now going to... Prescott's now going to be the third guy that they lock up long-term if that is indeed the case, which... Naturally, ripple effect means it's probably a little less than if he had been the first. Where well, you, that ends up going, I don't really know. You say name of the game is guaranteed money long term. From the team perspective, yes. From the player perspective, isn't guaranteed money short term? I mean, wasn't that kind of the sticking point in all of this? Dak Prescott wanted a big guaranteed number, but only on like a four-year deal. And the Cowboys wanted to push it out to a seven-year deal. And the reason Dak Prescott wanted that was because he knew average quarterback salaries were going to continue to rise, and he wanted to get paid twice. I guess that's true, but I guess what I was thinking of from the vantage point is Ryan Tannehill locked up $91 million in guaranteed money. Right. Prescott's playing on a one-year deal. But that was on a four-year deal. Right. That's longer term than a franchise tag, which is one. I understand that, but Dak Prescott wanted a four-year deal with $100 million or so guaranteed. Well, and being paid at the rate of $34 million or so a year. And the Cowboys wanted to do that for seven years. But by locking himself in for seven years, Prescott would likely miss out on another big contract when the average quarterback salary four years from now is going to be $40 million, And he would have been locked in at $34 million. He sure, did turn down district. 105 guaranteed and 33 a year, though. So that's that's what kind of throws a wrench into all of this. On how many on how many years? Four it was, year on, it was on four. Yeah, four years, one hundred five guaranteed, thirty three a year is what was turned well, that's down. Just dumb, man. See, that's what makes this um, a little bit more dicey. Because if you're Dallas, I don't know how much more you want to... Because now they've got to fight for Amari Cooper. Because they had to put the tag on Dak because they couldn't come to terms... they, they got to do a deal for Cooper. Yes, and he is going to be a hot commodity. You would assume so. Um, maybe you know Houston could get into that market. Um, but people are going to want him. So now they're going to pay Zeke number one money. And they potentially have to pay Amari Cooper the way the Saints paid Michael Thomas how much is going to be left because they've paid a bunch of guys recently and there's only so much of a pie that you can dole out before it's gone. That's what makes this so fascinating is he's gambling on himself and if they let this tag run, uh, I mean, for how long? It's a gamble and I don't know if it's one that's going to pay off for him. Zeke is what's killing this right now. Yep, The Cowboys' decision to pay a running back this amount of money, if they had they, they and they didn't have to, he had no, two years didn't. left on his deal. If Look they had Derek just let Henry. that ride, they could sign Dak today to, a, to the kind of deal both teams would probably both parties would probably be very happy with, and then come back to Zeke and make a more reasonable running back style offer. But you know, Jerry Jones going to Jerry Jones. C Spire text line: Dak deserves to lose every penny if he doesn't sign the current offer. 
and they Don't. go on to say Dallas would be wise to draft a quarterback this year. Look at how he struggled last year. Well, the whole struggled thing last year, I mean, he threw for career highs in touchdowns and yards. It was kind of stat padding, though, to tell you the truth. It, oh, okay. Numbers weren't good and competitive. I mean, that's that's the question, right? It's the numbers are good, but they're not good against the highest level of competition. But how much of that can you attribute to coaching? And with the new coaching staff, a more experienced uh, objectively better one, uh, how much better will he be in those kind of games? Those are all the things you have to weigh uh, when making this decision. It's and, and David Monticello points gone out. From, well, that offensive line has gone from in his rookie year, it was a fortress. You couldn't penetrate that offensive line to now it's it's not really good that good anymore. David Monticello points out, and, and this is an example that I've used before and I agree with, I mean, he says when it comes to Dak, think Kirk Cousins and what happened with Washington and Minnesota. I mean, Kirk Cousins for a couple of years bet on himself and then ultimately got the big deal with Minnesota. That's kind of what Dak Prescott's doing. Got an extension today as well. Yeah. But in terms of betting on yourself, there's risk on multiple levels. One, you got to perform. Although, I mean, you just kind of got to perform at the league average level in the NFL to get paid a, a bunch of money. Right. So you you do have to perform until you got to stay healthy. Because the only money in the NFL that you're guaranteed, forgive the redundancy, is the guaranteed money in your contract. Yeah. You can be cut at any time, and if you're injured... They don't have to keep paying you. Which is what I was getting at long term in terms of why they hate the franchise tag so much. I guess in long term I wasn't necessarily thinking like years length in contract, but when you have a multi-year deal signed with guaranteed money past just one season, you're automatically in a better place than if you're tagged. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill is technically in a better, not technically, he's in a much better place than Dak Prescott is at this moment. That'll probably change. Sure. But that's kind of the risk-reward for quarterbacks in the business. So that was the other kind of, I don't know, big news deal was the Tennessee Titans signing Ryan Tannehill to a four-year deal and saying that they weren't interested in Tom Brady, which kind of flies in the face of what everybody else has thought was going to happen. Oh, it makes all the sense in the world for the Titans. Well, the Titans decided they liked their guy, and they paid him. Good for Ryan Tannehill, the former wide receiver at Texas A&M. Pretty incredible, right? Uh, Imagine the state of Texas. Just think of the state of Texas in general and who has left their state and how they've handled the quarterback position. I mean, the best quarterback to come from a Texas university recently was a wide receiver. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's it's crazy. The most successful college quarterback in the last 10 years was recruited as a safety. So, I mean... It's just a problem out there, evidently. Yeah. And now you've got Mahomes, but Baker Mayfield didn't go to a Texas college. That's what I mean. It's guys that went to college in Texas and yeah. what they became. I mean, what was it? Mac Brown told – oh, gosh, who, who did he tell? Uh, was it, it was Dak Prescott, wasn't it? That he brought him in for a visit and just, you know, you got to change positions if you want to get a big-time offer? I, well, was that was Manziel, wasn't it? Well, he told Manziel he wasn't a quarterback, too. Well, I mean, so we got a long list is what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. There's a bunch of guys. But, um, yeah. yeah, on the Tannehill thing, 
I'm going to talk, I, I did this on the podcast this morning. I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. $30 million a year for Ryan Tannehill seems like an extreme, that's eh, a bit heavy, seems like a, an overpayment. I don't think he would have gotten that from anybody else. I don't think you needed to pay him $30 million a year. Seems like a lot of money for Ryan Tannehill. But people only watch the Titans during the playoffs. So they saw 160 total passing yards in their two playoff wins, forgetting that the team was absolutely dead in the water when they made the switch to Ryan Tannehill. And his presence opened up the offense. He threw the football around, was really, really good, and is the reason they made the playoffs in the first place. So I'm sitting here saying it's too much money, but also he's why they made the playoffs. Is Derrick Henry going to hold out after being tagged? Getting the franchise tag from the Titans? He may try, but it's just kind of the grim reality for running backs in the NFL right now. And and taking that a step farther, they, they could tag him in consecutive years if they wanted to, right? Or did that change as part of the CBA as well? I, I genuinely don't know the answer to that. If, uh, if the Titans got two more productive years out of Derrick Henry, they'd be at a spot where they were okay to wash their hands of him anyway. You think, yeah. Because he'd be 28. I believe he'll make $12 million too this year. Through the franchise tag? I believe that's the case. Not great to be a running back right now. Not great to be a running back. Unless you're on your drinks Johnny Walker Blue Label, then it's great to be you. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. We Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.